Today is June 2nd, 2023, and we welcome you to uh, our edition of the Chapter 49 podcast. We're very happy you've chosen uh, to join us today and spend a little of your valuable time with us. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree, and I do uh, communications uh, volunteer work for Chapter 49. And uh, once again, I want to welcome our uh, chapter president, Duncan Giles. Good to have you back, Duncan. As always, Larry, good to be here. And uh, we, as if, you, if you're watching on video, you can see we do have a guest this week. Very timely because we are recording this at the morning, the early morning of June the 2nd. Uh, just hours ago, the Senate has passed a debt ceiling agreement, which we want to talk about in some detail. So we are very fortunate to have, uh, for a second time on our podcast, Kata Saibenga, the Legislative and Political Director for NTU's National Office in Washington. So Kata Saibenga, welcome once again. It's great to have you back. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we want to just jump right in. We're going to talk about a lot of things about your department, what goes on there. But because we have breaking news at the moment, I do want to uh, just get your view off the top on this debt ceiling agreement. Maybe talk about uh, why this debt ceiling was such an important issue. I think an awful lot of people in the public and even members of NTEU uh, are a little confused about just what it is and why it was so important. Maybe just a brief idea of that, an idea of why it was so important and why the agreement uh, was important to be Uh, passed by the Congress, and and we'll talk about more about the impact later, but just give us a quick uh, view on that, if you would. Sure. So, I mean, the debt ceiling is, um, I'm sure most people have probably heard talk about it a lot lately, Um, but but really what it is, is it's, 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 uh, raising the debt ceiling is about making sure the country honors its debts, right? So it's making sure we can pay our bills. Um, And so Treasury, has to borrow money to pay those bills generally um, because we have not always enough revenue coming in in the right timing. Um, and so that's a pretty normal thing they do, pretty, I think, daily. Um, and But it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's really about making sure that we can um, keep our credit rating intact. It keeps the global economy stable and, uh, and it makes sure that we can pay our bills. And we've done this many times over the years. Uh, you know, Congress, I, I, I think uh, it's it's happened, you know, many, many times for at least the last, you know, 75 years, I think. Um, so so this is something that uh, we we have come up occasionally and generally Congress does it pretty quickly. Occasionally, like this time, uh, we get into a little bit more of a debate about it. And uh, and this time, you know, we really did have some in Congress who wanted to push for uh, funding cuts in exchange for raising this debt limit. And, you know, one of the things we've been saying uh, is that they should not be trying to cut funding to our agencies, obviously, but especially because these things are really separate. We have, you know, raising the debt limit doesn't increase federal spending. It's not, you know, it's not spending money that Congress hasn't already appropriated. It's really making sure that government pays for purchases it's already made. Um, and so we think these should be separate conversations. You know, we're, we understand that Congress has this power of the purse, right? They're going to every year talk about how much funding each agency is going to get. Every year we're going to be pushing for more of it um, because most of the time our agencies um, and our, our members feel that they, their agencies need more. Um, but 
but we're at, you know, these should be separate conversations. And so that that's where we have been through this conversation um, and through this debate. But obviously, in the end, um, you know, folks dug in their heels and these conversations happened a bit together. And that's where uh, where we were over last weekend when they announced this deal that now has passed. And again, just hours ago, the Senate passed the same measure the House did. It goes to the president for a, and we're certainly to get his signature and be enacted into law. Next question uh, from Duncan Giles. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I just want to back up exactly what you were saying. You know, I, our feeling has been all along, you don't play chicken with the uh, debt ceiling. And so this is uh, something that greatly has irritated me. Were you surprised at the uh, bipartisan nature in the end that this uh, that this took on? In the end, because the president made the deal with um, Speaker McCarthy, I think, uh, you know, they they both kind of had to pull their people together to make sure it passed. <laughs> um, and nobody wanted, you know, I, I don't know for sure about um, some of the House Republicans probably would have liked to embarrass Speaker McCarthy further, uh, but uh, and and some tried to. Um, but in general, I think there was consensus that folks would come together to at least find enough to pass it, because it really is catastrophic for the economy if this doesn't happen. And so once they did come to some sort of agreement, um, and it's obviously not one that everybody's happy with, and that's what compromise is. Um, when you have a, a compromise, you're never going to have somebody who's like, I got everything I wanted. Um, we certainly weren't thrilled with everything in that. And we, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. But, um, and I know, you know, even President Biden has said he wasn't thrilled with everything in there, but you make these agreements because this is something that absolutely must have must happen. And if this is the only way to get it done, you're going to get some agreement to do that. I want to ask about this question because uh, we'll get into the IRS impact in a moment. There's been an awful mm -hmm. lot of uh, spin on this, and I think we'd like to get to the facts, and I think you, you can do that. But I w before we do that, I think one thing that, that impacts the entire federal workforce would be pay raises. Uh, right now, we don't know how this debt ceiling will impact pay raises for federal employees. Uh, you and your staff, what are you hearing about this, if anything? Well, I mean, the debt limit um, agreement doesn't directly impact pay, right? But it does put some limits on spending over the next few years. So uh, it's not as large a cap on spending as we were worried about, as what the um, House Republicans passed in their bill uh, in April. That would have been significant cuts to spending, um, taking us back to 22 levels, I believe it was. And so, you know, we would have, uh, we will have, though, some limited spending um, at agencies. And part of agency budgets are their, are their, uh, how they pay their employees, right? So um, as, as uh, you know, pay is set every year by the president, um, or at least it's first proposed by the president, the pay raise for the following year. Uh, and so, he has already put out that uh, it is 5.2% that he's proposed for next year. He hasn't said how much of that is across the board and how much is locality pay, but generally um, the way he's he's done it in the past has been about 4.7 um, for across the board and 0.5 for locality. Um, but we've been pushing for even higher than that. We think that, you know, given inflation and everything, it should be higher. And there's actually a bill in Congress to do 8.7%, which would be a, a wonderful 
thing. Um, I think this complicates that a little bit. Uh, you know, Congress always can pass something to basically override what the president wants to do. And you'll remember those who've been around a while that sometimes that works in our favor uh, and gives a better pay raise. And sometimes that does not work in our favor. And, you know, it goes down. So we we always are working to push with both the president uh, and with Congress to see if we can the largest pay raise we can. I do think that it's likely um, we'll see some push by some to include a lower one in some of the appropriations bills on the Hill this year. Uh, and we'll push back against that. And hopefully we'll get at least that 5.2 the president has proposed. But it's not directly impacted by this deal. So um, it just makes it a little harder because we're looking at lower amounts of money to start. And during the summer, that's when many of the uh, budget appropriation uh, bills are coming before the various committees, and that's what you alluded to. So it's a little early in that process, but we'll know more as the, as the months and, and weeks go along. Would that be a fair Absolutely. way to look at it? Yeah. Okay. The, so sometimes by this point, we've seen some of those bills, but because of this debt ceiling debate and their, the, the fact that they were trying to tie the amount of funding to this um, debate, they really couldn't put out those bills until they knew what those uh, funding levels were going to be. So we should start seeing them over the next few weeks and we'll be able to, and we will of course be uh, sending information out on what's included in there. And of course uh, this uh, debt ceiling uh, legislation impacts IRS. I'm going to turn this over to Duncan Giles for the next question on that issue. Yeah. The first, the first question before we delve into the, uh, the pullbacks is how do you think this is going to affect us? for our annual appropriations, because we've heard in Congress, uh, especially in the last year or so, since the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that we've gotten these funds, well, we'll just reduce IRS's budget. Uh, do you think there's still going to be rumblings now that they're going to cut the funding for the IRS because they haven't gotten as much of a pullback uh, that we'll get into in a minute as they wanted to originally? Yeah, I think we'll still see some push for that. Um, I think that we have some pretty strong arguments against that. I think we have some allies on the Hill who will be pushing very strongly against that. Um, the fact that they've given anything on this, um, and as you said, we'll get into more about those details, but the fact that they've given any of this um, funding from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act um, and let them you know, kind of take some of that back, uh, I think will be the line for a lot of folks and say, we can't keep cutting this agency. We've been doing that for years. Obviously, you know, they've IRS funding, as you guys know, has decreased by like 20%. Um, and obviously that impacts many, many things, um, including staffing and the ability to actually, you know, get these returns processed, help cut, help people who are calling for help with their taxes, so many things. Um, and, you know, some of those things, customer service in particular, um, these Congress people hear complaints about a lot from their, the people they represent. And so, you know, it's not really in their interest to cut a lot of this. They obviously have focused on cutting enforcement. I think I would guess that's where they will, again, try to do that. I don't think that they will have a whole lot of, of um, success with it, but I, I, we will we will be working as if they might, and we will be pushing back against it. And and really, it'll be our allies on the Hill uh, that will will have to carry that and make sure that they don't do it. Um, and we, from the from the time this deal started being talked about, we've been already talking with them about that. 
And so uh, since Duncan uh, deferred to me, what I have uh, seen, and, and, you know, I'm an old journalist and uh, political science nerd myself, uh, what, I, what I've always found is that <clears throat> when you're talking about the Congress, the House usually is, is one of those cases where, you know, the majority can ride herd over things, and in the Senate, things are more relaxed, and one or, you know, a few senators can always uh, gum up the works, and it's just more of a, a different atmosphere and a different uh, system, if you will, especially with the Senate that's so, you know, 51 49 if you look at the people and how they caucus with each other and so forth so we are we're we're, uh, we're dealing with uh, a situation where i what i call spin you know one side says hey we got the irs and there's certain people in congress who love sticking it to the irs we stuck it to them in this debt ceiling deal and that's one spin i'm hearing another spin i'm hearing is uh, for the administration particularly saying oh this really isn't going to have much of an impact short term on the irs as far as the inflation reduction act money which was meant to kind of fill that gap uh, of funding that's been going on for so many years as you just alluded to so uh i'm going to give you a chance to clear this up what are the facts what is the impact on irs from this uh, debt ceiling legislation well so let's first talk about what's actually in the deal so the deal that the written deal includes a rescission of only $1.4 billion from the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And that's that's um, relatively small. And I think it was pretty much, if you look at the IRS spend plan, what they were planning to spend on enforcement uh, in the next year, so or, or increase enforcement in the next year. Uh, so, so that's an impact, obviously. But um, the other part of the deal is that they have agreed to repurpose 10 billion each year for the next two years of this IRA funding um, and put it towards other agencies and other priorities so that they could dull the cuts that other agencies would feel under this, this debt deal. Um, we're not sure exactly how that works. It's a, it's not a written agreement. It's not um, something they've done a lot in the past. So we're going to be watching carefully to see exactly how this works. But in the end, like, like you said, um, you know, this is not the impact that they would have had had this um, bill that the House Republicans passed last in April. It would have cut seventy one billion dollars of this funding, um, so or rescinded seventy one billion dollars of the IRA funding. So that would have been obviously a devastating impact. Um, what we expect in the short term, as you mentioned, is not a huge impact because the funding from the Inflation Reduction Act, while it was eighty billion dollars approximately over. 10 years, it was not given it each year. It was given kind of all at once and they could use it when they wanted to. So the fact that they've lost, you know, a few, some of this money means the rest of it should still be available whenever they want it, which means they can use it now. So they shouldn't, this really shouldn't in the short term impact, um, uh, you know, what they're planning to do, the hiring they're ho- they're working on and hoping to do. I think they were going to meet a goal. They're trying to meet a goal of 10,000 new hires for uh, in 23, the current year, and another 20,000 in 24. Uh, and really, this shouldn't impact that. They should be able to do that because that funding is still available whenever they need it. Um, so that's why the short in the short term, it shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem. Congress, w- I mean, chances are pretty good that the IRS was going to always go back to Congress after some time and need more funding than this 80 billion because it was, you know, it's rebuilding 
but we were, you know, eventually we'd run out of it and we'd need more. And so that was always part of the plan. It might happen a little earlier now because of this. Um, but I think that's more the long term uh, effect is that you'll be going back a little faster. Um, and hopefully we will we will see the IRS able to continue to work on this plan that they've been to 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 modernize, but also to just build up the the hiring. So, Duncan, any questions for Canada on the debt ceiling and the IRS? Yeah, uh, kind of my thought originally on this, when I saw this, I was like, okay, they're going to be taking, you know, $10 billion this year, $10 billion next year. So almost like missing a year's worth of paychecks. But the way that I understand it now and the way it's been explained, and as you just said, basically we had this $80 billion in savings a savings account. And now they've taken, they're going to be taking 20 billion of that away. So we're still going to have that 60 billion that we're able to use right now for, like you said, the hirings for the next two fiscal years and more if we need it, and then go back to Congress. So I, I think that allayed a lot of people's fears because when I took a look at the original 99 page bill and I sent it to Larry and I said, you know, I've read this, the whole thing. And the only thing I can see is the same thing that Senator Mike Lee saw was just the uh, the 1.8 billion that was clawed back. So there was a lot of confusion on that. So would my analogy be basically accurate uh, for the IRS? So there's no immediate uh, issues per se. That's right. I think that that's actually a great analogy. It really is more like they had a, a savings account and now they can they they have a little less in it, uh, but they're still going to be able to use it over the next number of years. And then they will have to somehow refill it again. But but yeah, I think that's right. You know, Kata, I did see uh, a quote this morning and I think you've read this as well, Duncan, and, and I talked about this uh, this morning, too. Uh, before we started recording, that uh, when you take a look at the Congressional Budget Office analysis of this deal, taking the money away from IRS and looking at what IRS could have additionally raised with the money that they are not going to get, basically, you, you, you take it all uh, at the bottom line, this deal will rob the Treasury of about $19 billion, which is no small amount. Well, yeah, actually, I think it, what it, what they said was that it would it would increase the deficit up by nineteen billion. I think that's I mean you're, right. that's what you're saying, but it will increase the deficit by nineteen billion because it will result in about forty billion uh, in revenue that we're not going to take in and lost revenue because we're not getting there. So. So yeah, that's exactly right. And this has been the whole thing with, you know, even as we had the debate over the Inflation Reduction Act, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when they were trying to take that out of the Inflation Reduction Act, they were losing uh, revenue increased and they were increasing the deficit. You know, the cost of the bill was going up because the IRS portion of this investing in the IRS raises revenues. <laughs> and so um, taking money away from the IRS, reduces revenues. And that's always been uh, one of the big parts of what we fight for when we fight for increased funding for IRS, whether it was through this Inflation Reduction Act or just through annual appropriations. You know. Well, it was at this point that we had a catastrophic problem, a technical glitch, if you will, could not get it fixed in time to continue the interview. So we had to end it there. But uh, Duncan Giles and I both 
greatly thank Katasai Benga, the legislative and political director for NTEU at the National Office in Washington, for giving us some of her time and giving us some great insights into what is happening there, particularly with the debt ceiling legislation. We want to thank you for watching and listening to this podcast. We try to do this as weekly as we can, and uh, we uh, continue to make that effort, Duncan Giles and I, and we hope to have other guests for you in the weeks to come. But in the meantime, again, thanks for sharing some of your valuable time with us. Please be safe and be kind. Be kind.